welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing recorded wonderfully enough at the pw offices in new york city i'm calvin reed senior news editor of publishers weekly editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics and I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the new site of comics culture. You can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app on and on Google Podcasts and on Stitcher and on social media if that Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook uh, would let me into my Facebook account yeah, at uh, facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Yeah, listeners, um, we're, we're having some uh, Facebook-caused uh, delays on our end as far as our uh, Facebook feed goes. Um, let us redirect you to publishersweekly.com slash comics and to our Twitter presence because <laughs> our Facebook is... Currently not operational. Well, um, and, hey, if you work at Facebook, call us. Yeah, free, free PW. Yeah, Comics um, World. So Facebook un- page. unrelated, I'm also having a Facebook problem where I can't access my profile on desktop, although I can get it on mobile just fine. But uh, yeah, so if you have any contact yes, with Facebook and you happen to be listening, please contact me. At info at comicsbeat.com. Yeah, or uh, me. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, but, Message uh, in a bottle. Yeah, but we, uh, and by the way, if you actually have something else to say, we also love to hear from you. <laughs> yes. Just about things in general, please give us a rating, a thumbs up, a, you know, a five-star review, or however many stars you want to give us. Yeah. We love to hear from our listeners. All right. All right. This week on More to Come, back in business, New York Comic Con 2021. PRH Marvel Distribution Debacle. All right. Uh, and Penguin Embraces Marvel Classes. John Kent, uh, Marvel Classics. John Kent loves who he loves. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof plagiarizes Urasawa. Okay. Back in business. Hey, New York Comic Con yeah. in the house. We did it. Just to, uh, so yeah, New York Comic Con was held over four days, as it traditionally mm-hmm. is, at the Javits Center, as it traditionally is. Uh, little else about it was traditional, from the number <laughs> of people allowed in, to the new wing that was open, to the publishers that showed up, to the number of bathrooms. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, pretty cool. And you know, I, I didn't see any of you guys, so it was, uh, this is all fresh to me. Like, uh, like, yeah. what did we do? What, what happened? How well, was I your saw con? You. How was your, I saw you on Sunday at yes. like five o'clock. But, uh, what, how was your Comic Con, guys? Well, I mean, for one thing, listeners, as you may have already cottoned on, we did not have a booth this year. We were one of the many, many exhibitors who did not have a booth this year. Uh, but, uh, rest assured that we will be better if we'll at all be possible. Back. We'll be back. It was it was a little, it was just too much um, to organize, <clears throat> and also the liability and the responsibility for, <clears throat> excuse me, for having people sitting, you know, under our purview in a in a room all day long. That said, I put on a mask, <laughs> I put on my KN95, and I walked that floor of that plate thing every day for four days. Um, it wasn't the the New York Comic Con of old, uh, because every major comics publisher and almost pretty much every major 
uh, New York trade book publisher was missing from the exhibition floor, if not necessarily from the programming. There was some, there, people were doing panels and, and the like. They were doing panels, but they just weren't, they didn't have any presence they on the floor. They were not, they had no exhibition presence on the main floor. They didn't even have, um, like their little off the floor presences the way, uh, DC used to do. Yeah. None of that. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, it I, that's 100% understood. Yeah. And it's just like, like you're just saying, it's like, you know, I think this was more, of an emotional commitment than a business commitment on everybody's part. Yes. I mean, it certainly was a business commitment for those who did go, but for all of us, you know, Calvin, you said you walked the floor for four days and uh, I avoided the, the main floor. It wasn't as crowded as in past years. You know, I use a KN94. I want to say 1% less, much more comfortable than a KN95. I get them in Koreatown. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, just stuck to places that that met my own personal protocol yes. of what I feel safe doing, and I'm sure, which is I'm sure what we all did, you know. Absolutely, I I had I had moments where I said, you know what, get out of here, and I did. Um, but for the most part, I kept moving. Uh, I stayed around the perimeter. I ducked into the center when I wanted to see people. Um, but you know, the fact that the major publishers, uh, be they comic or, or book publishers. Uh, were absent. Uh, it was an opportunity for a lot of other. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, to be fair, Viz publishers. was there. And uh, yes, we should make which that is case. the number one graphic novel publisher in North America. Yes, so to say that the big publisher wasn't there is a little. Yes, um, and they took a uh, took they took a, a big space and they were doing their thing as usual and they had a um, you know they had a long line of fans. Yeah. You know for the stuff that they were offering. Yeah. Uh, that said, other publishers. Took the places uh, where we we would see other uh, uh, like well like half of the big two after shock was right in the middle of the floor mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they were thrilled. Um, uh, I talked with Steve Rotterdam, the uh, VP of Sales and Marketing. There, he said they jumped at the chance. Um, Zenoscope did too. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was, there were others there. Mad Cave was there. Scout Comics uh, was they were on the floor. Um and and a and a plethora of yeah, Z2, very small Z two was there. Z two um uh, was I don't there. Z two was on the floor. They absolutely were, but they, they were, were off a little bit, and they were complaining about their uh, place. But you know what? They had like Chuck D and Anthrax and um, oh, right, other right. music well, they, stars yeah. at their booth, so right. I, I think they got a good crowd right. all yeah. weekend. And uh, so then a mid-range publisher like Yen Press. Right. was like uh, yeah. a celebrity on the floor yeah. in comparison. Yeah. Well, I, I spoke at the end of the con uh, to a gentleman who's involved in marketing there, and he was thrilled. He was like, wow, this was our best year. This was great. Um, he's he's on the our little interview wrap-up. Um, so, you know, I think it was a great year for them. They sold out completely. Kino Kania, uh was a little smug about the bookseller. Uh, the bookseller. Mm-hmm. Uh, that specializes in manga in the United States. Um, they had a little booth because, and because, uh, Midtown Comics, which normally has a mega booth, wasn't there. Mm. Kino Kania was cleaning up. Yeah. Um, just whatever yeah. manga people wanted that other people didn't have just went there. Yeah. Aftershock said Thursday was their best day of sales at a con yeah. ever. Yeah, I heard that from a few people. I heard that from some people in Artist Alley even that they'd yeah. made by Friday, they'd had their best New York Comic Con ever. Well, Artist Alley was sprawling yeah. and packed with fans the entire time that I, you know, I went down there every day just to take a peek. Uh, <clears throat> and even on Sunday afternoon, it was still, you know, thronged with fans. So, uh, I ran into Dennis Kitchen. 
who actually uh, and his daughter uh, Scarlett, if mm-hmm. I believe her name, and actually they were, you know, they were, <laughs> you know, a little anxious, but they were there in their, you know, mask, mm-hmm. and uh, and he said they were doing great business because they, he said, as he said, we have stuff nobody else has, and particularly underground comics. Well, I, I don't, you know, again, I think this was not just the first major Comic Con in New York. It was the biggest Comic-Con yet. I mean, there have been quite a few. I mean, Megacon was held, but this is the first super, super-sized yeah. Mega, you know. And it was also uh, the biggest public event in New York since the pandemic began. Yeah. That, which is what Christina Rogers told me, mm-hmm. that this was the biggest public event. And, um, you know, I was, I mean, I'm, I, I, I just put up my con report on the beat earlier today because it took me four days to write but uh you know even i was doing a panel and and uh the av was totally fantastic it was totally on point and all the panel rooms i did uh absolutely they you know they, they would you know you would call up a slide and they they cut to the slideshow i mean it was really great they were listening to every word you said and afterwards i said you know you did a really great job and the tech said well, we've had 18 months to practice. And the, I mean, it was obvious that they were just as thrilled. Sure. Like the guys who do the AV at Javits were just as thrilled. I'm Should sure. be doing a real convention again. Right. Yes. They, you know, they've probably been furloughed. They've probably been on sure. unemployment. They, you know, they, they, they wanted to work too. Everybody wanted to get back. Sure. And when you're saying, you know, like, like Aftershock had a great con or, um, Yen Press had a great con, it's like, you know, there were 150,000 tickets sold mm-hmm. by whatever metric Reed uses yes, for yes. 150,000 sure. people. Um, you know, I would say there was probably, I don't know, fifty to 50,000 people there a day, maybe. I, I, I would say that that's probably. That's about right. That looks about right, yeah. Would, you and, know. you know, 50, mm-hmm. you know, four, anywhere between forty and 60,000 people, let's just say, by mm-hmm. my own eyeballs, knowing the space. They were overjoyed everyone i said this like and every time it's like if you look at a photo every single photo that people took everyone is smiling well i mean we radiantly we assume they were smiling under their masks well no most people did take off their masks for photos because everyone had to be vaccinated to get in some people did i mean i have a lot of photos people did not i i have some too but a lot of times or outside there was a lot of outside events as well the the, the social events were mostly held outside Mm -hmm. and um people would lower their masks uh, for photos but i'm just like the ones that you can see people smiling you can see it in their eyes you can see that they're smiling you can see they're joyful it's just joyful just to be together again. But we should also point out that people were very careful in wearing their masks. Yes. yes. The overwhelming majority of people there across four days. And look, obviously <clears throat> lots of people did not have a mask on mm-hmm. at all times. But I was impressed with the numbers of people that had a mask on from, you know, early in the morning to late in the evening. Pretty much all the, day. Yeah. Pretty much the only time I saw people without masks was a, when they were having their photo dis- sure. photos taken in costume at a distance outside. B, when they were eating or drinking and they were pretty good about standing to the side and getting sure. out of people's way to do that and eating, you know, mm-hmm. well-distanced yeah, apart. I mean, it was a very well-behaved crowd. And I didn't see anyone without the little green wristband that you mm-hmm. got for being vaccinated. Yeah. And and they had a pretty good smooth system of, of checking on your way yeah. in. They had a different checkpoint for vaccination than they did for your badge. It was well staffed, it was efficient. They made they they checked your IDs. You checked your vaccination, they checked your ID. And boom, and then you were out of there with your green pass. But you had to have that pass. 
Yeah. So, and they, they enforce it and they set up a system that worked really efficiently and quickly for everybody. So you can yeah. get, you know, get going and get in there. And I mean, you, you know, there were, were some of the green wristbands loose? Yes. Uh, you know, can you fake a vaccination card? Yes. But you'd have to actually put effort in. You'd have to put effort in. And there was a retailer who was thrown off the floor for not being masked. Yeah. And there was actually several. And, um, you know, they posted about it's uh, Invasion Toys, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And they blamed some others. They said they were sharing their booth and other people wouldn't wear their mask. But, um, again, Christina Rogers was just like they went and said, you need to wear your mask. And they had reports that they weren't wearing their mask. And so they said, you got to leave. They didn't and mess around. No, they, they didn't did mess around. mess around. And, I mean, I saw, you know, I saw people talking. And not wearing their mask. And um, people have talking without their mask on. And, um, you know, was it a moment when I walked past by and they lowered their mask? Um, maybe. I mean, but, I, I, you know, I say in the olden days of the Comic-Con, we would get sick. And it was very common to get sick at Comic-Con when we wore Con-crud no masks. Con-crud, Con-crud. Is a thing. And I got Con-crud this year. I know where I got it. I got it, you know, just from being around people. After not being around people, I mean, there was a lot of hugs. I was just like, you know, this is yeah. a joyful moment. I'm just going to yeah. hug people I was hugging too. that I want to see. And I was hugging too. You know, there was talking outside close quarters, and you know, that will just get germs on you. So, but I, um, you know, Those, COVID it, negative. I did not catch COVID at New York Comic Con. Yes, For the record, I do not have. COVID. It was it was pretty weird to look at the, the south end of the Javits Center and see, you know. Completely empty. Yeah. I mean, there were people there, you know, hanging out, whatever. But it wasn't being used. But no DC. Well, there was a bar that apparently made very strong drinks. There wasn't. And they had mixed drinks on the floor of the main. I guess, you know, at the end or after 18 months, you need a stiff. Well, you know, some rules we observe, but other rules are out the window. That's (laughs) That's the pandemic way of living. (laughs) Well, actually, because of the pandemic and because of bars desperately needing money, they have loosened some of their restrictions on where you can serve drinks at the moment. Uh-huh. So I think the convention center was taking shameless advantage of that. Yeah. yeah. And why not? And uh, I, I also want to po- point out Repop's uh, metaverse, uh, basically the digital side of the panel programming. Um, <clears throat> you know, I watched a bunch of things on it, you know, like the next day, uh, including yeah, Amplifying Black Voices, which was quite good. I, I will fully admit that this year I just went to no... Con- panels in person and I just watched them all online because they were online and I was like I don't want to sit in a panel room um, well same here uh, so I watched them online but you know um, they were pretty well done they were well yeah. filmed it was not your usual like really bad con footage yeah you could definitely see the AV guys were on point oh man they were yeah, like yeah. the game had been upped in every room the game had been upped yeah, seriously upped yeah I, I and they blind. were excited to do it. I, I declined to moderate panels. I just didn't really want to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I didn't want to sit in the rooms. But I did poke my head in the rooms to see what was going on. And um, I think I went to, you know, I went to Amplify Black Voice. It was a great panel with Ashley Woods, um, Eric Battle, uh, and uh, this guy from Boston Color and Comics, I think the thing is called. Very interesting. Um, uh, and they're working on this augmented reality comic that looked very interesting. There was just, there was just a, the kickstarting comics panel, uh, also, uh, was broadcast. That was also quite good, obviously, mm-hmm. kickstarter. That's what I was part. supposed to moderate, but because oh, really? of the scheduling mix up, I did not do it. So. Yeah, great. Panel. Cause I have supposed to moderate four panels, but, uh, because of a conflict, I ended up only moderating 
three pounds. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, you know, uh, the digital side uh, worked really well. Um, I mean, you had to log, you know, you had to log into a whole bunch of accounts to get it. But once you did, it yeah. But you know, if you have a press pass. You got, I, you have access. You still had to, to create an account. You yes, still you have, have to create, create an account. account. Yeah. But yeah. if, if you have a press pass, which I believe we all mm-hmm. have, you get access to Metaverse yeah, for the next month. So mm-hmm. if there's anything you missed, uh, we can catch up so, on it. So media I'm privilege gonna, there, folks. Yeah, well, we were, yeah, we sorry, were, and but we uh, were working it. Uh, but I like change. But I mean, they also just before the con announced the hall, which they're kind of setting up a kind of their own e-commerce site that mm-hmm. is like basically. Like, you know, most virtual conventions have set up like an exhibit hall where it'll show that it is, um, let's just say, you know, Yen Press. And then you click on Yen Press and it takes you to the Yen Press website. So I think they're trying to be a little bit more consistent by the hall. Like they're setting up their own e-commerce site. So instead of going off to different websites, you can buy things right directly through their website, which, you know, obviously it's a little cut for them, mm-hmm. but it's also, I think, trying to be a consistent platform. So, um, you know, interesting idea. Same note. Um, Repop, New York Comic Con, whatever, they had more of their own, uh, physical retailing going on on the floor than they usually well, do. Well, they had to. They, they had, had, they had to fill the space. They had two massive, um, they, and, and tell you, there was a mosh pit around each one of them, at least on Thursday and Friday. It seemed to calm down. Well, I, I, I just think people were desperate to buy things. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think were. people were just desperate to have, yeah. I just think desperate's the wrong word. I think people were overjoyed yes, to be was, able to have an experience at a con and it was obvious you know i spent the last 18 months you know shopping online and being like oh when there's a con again i'll wear this right and then when the con comes it's like i only have four days to wear all these clothes so you know i'm sure for cosplayers it was exactly the same i mean you could tell that these costumes were a plus you know s tier they had spent all the time possible on them and you know there was no no time spared on these costumes yeah i mean i myself was i was not an s tier cosplayer i'm a lazy cosplayer but i i had costumes for saturday and sunday and i wore them um and i wore my mask i didn't see you kate (laughs) i took pictures i'll show you (laughs) um but it was you know like Speaking of wanting to buy things, like part of it was the publishers weren't there. So the people who were there got what money there was. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I was telling Calvin and Heidi that the one thing I bought on Art and Artist Alley was a rainbow color cookie because some um, cookie company that makes rainbow color cookies managed to convince New York Comic Con that their cookies were art and were exhibiting as an art dealer okay. in Artist Alley and they were cookies. Um, and I also bought like, uh, like two other items on the floor that weren't books. I wanted to buy books. I saved up to buy books. I was, but there was, there was no books to buy that I wanted, which was sad. Um, <laughs> but you know, they'll you get feel, there. They'll get there. I was still glad to be there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, you know, publishers don't, don't feel, um, like, oh, well, this means they don't love us and they can have Comic Con without comics. No. No, it wasn't the same without you publishers. No, Please no. come back. We missed you. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of companies we, have travel bans in place. I, I understand. Mean, and it's just, it makes sense. It just makes sense. It's like people are not all willing, companies are not willing to tell their employees to put themselves in jeopardy. The, now, which, which makes perfect sense. Employees don't want to come back to their offices, let alone, right, you know, exactly. fly across the country. Now, and sit in a- I do think yeah. as we hold a super event like New York Comic Con, a super, I mean, supersized event, 
which, you know, even in the pandemic era, 150,000 attendees is a lot. Um, you know, and I think if it wasn't a super spreader event, I think you're going to see people just relax a little bit about it. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people who watch and see what happens. I think, but I mean, in a way, I did feel like this was, did you guys feel like this was kind of like, you know what? Life goes on. Yeah. This is how we are now. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we, it's a new normal. That, that's, that really is. I mean, it, it's interesting. We talked with the, you know, uh, Koo, friend of the show, and, you know, he said, you know, you know, one of the themes is that you can do this. You can have mandates. You can have, you know, vaccination, mass mandates, and everybody can come and have a great time. It's okay, people. Right. That's you know? right. You did it. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's okay. It was but, still fun. But, and it's not, but it's not just disease risk. It's also convention shutdown risk because mm-hmm. a lot of conventions were planned, were going to open, and then at the last minute closed. Um, a friend of mine likes Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab. A geeky perfume company. I got my god, their stuff. Ooh, the smell and, of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so they are Comic Con regulars at New York Comic Con, and they had been planning to come, but they booked into Dragon Con. They got all ready to go to Dragon Con, and then Dragon Con got shut down by the city of Atlanta. So, like at the last minute, Atlanta was like, "No Dragon Con." And so Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab basically made an official announcement, like, we're not going to get on this merry-go-round again. We'll get back to you in 2022. Uh, this was our attempt. We're, we're, we don't want to get shut down again at the last minute. So um, we're, we're just not buying into cons because we don't know if they're going to happen. Right. And That's I right. think that might be some of the reason, too, is not necessarily just fear of disease, but fear of being shut down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And be, and the, the shorter time span between when we were pretty sure the con was going to come and when the con actually was like we didn't get a booth for pretty much that reason we you know there just wasn't enough time between when we were sure the con was going to go on yeah and, and the con that, itself that that was a key element too i mean yeah know. i mean the risk was but i mean even without the risk it still wasn't going to happen because it didn't give us enough time i mean we've been talking about this on this show for six months you know from when they first announced it pretty much back in april you but know. we weren't even sure what's going to happen, and we then. weren't sure what's going to happen. Yes. And I, I was very skeptical that we it were would all actually even happen. We were all you know, very particularly skeptical, particularly as the Delta variant as started the Delta, to really. But I, you know, I did say, I did say that um, I had a feeling the Delta would have um, crested by October, and it and, has. And it's exactly. And, it has. and I was right about yeah. that. I was and looking at the other. Right? Uh, I was right about that, and um, you know, and I think actually this is a good time. You know, as you go into winter, more people are inside, more. You know, it just it's gonna. There's gonna be another now another surge in the winter time. So I think this October timing was actually perfect for New York Comic Con. Yeah, listeners, if you haven't already, please get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, do it. Come on, folks. Yeah. Just do it. it. This is what I mean. There's a combination of things that are that are that have lowered the death rate and lowered the hospitalization rate in New York City, and it's all of the above. This mask, it's vaccinations, get it done. Um, it's the science, and it's working, right? And and listeners, if you were someone who was like, "Hey, I just want it to be around for a while and see how it goes," um, all three of us got vaccinated as soon as ever we could, and we're all fine. Yep, and um, I'm putting my booster now. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the edge of a booster. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm way over the age. You know, so. and so, just quickly, I mean, uh, you know, I have, as you guys know, I have my own little things. Like, I feel very safe outside, um, and I'm coming around to the idea of of that vaccinated people don't generally pass it on to other vaccinated people. 
And I do think that is a huge part of all of these inside events here in New York, where you, to do anything, you know, to eat inside, to go to a Comic-Con, you need to prove that you're vaccinated. You need to show your card and your ID. And it's enforced everywhere I go. And you know what? That's great. I'm beginning to feel like this is just how we live now. And, you know, it's it's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally, I, I'm I'm not that worried anymore because I'm vaccinated and because my parents have made the judgment that as vaccinated people who are seniors, they feel pretty safe mm-hmm. and that they're ready to just move on with their lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, if they feel safe, I feel safe. Yeah. Hey, I'm a senior citizen myself. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Now I'm cautious. Now, I I'm still careful. Wear my... I feel safe because I'm careful. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh careful. yeah. I'm I mean, ca- you know, I wear. I still. I still wear my my mask in a lot of indoor situations. Um, uh, but I. But I. You know, I. I. And you know, I. I. I, go forth. <laughs> I got concrud because I went to a party. And, uh, even though it was outside, people were close yeah. talking. They Any were yeah, moistly yeah. talking, yeah. yelling, drinking happily, uh, hugging. And, yeah. you know, I don't, it was not sickness so much as I do honestly believe that just not being around other people for a year and a half and suddenly getting a lot of just biomes from other humans in my system just is a little tax on your, your yeah. immune system. And, you know, and also, I didn't drink enough coffee, and I was exhausted. So, I mean, did you guys hear, like, everyone complaining about walking and, you know, just not being fit for con? I heard that so many times. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, every... Well, well you you know, you're fit, Kate. You're, you, you and kept I your walk... I, see, walking is the only thing well, it's I kind did. of out of towners I gotta be but, honest um, that but, we're complaining. In a weird way, it was great <laughs> well, also to be work back from homers. with the, the endless trekking that yes. a con forces you into uh, because I do I that's been my basically my only workout doing with the pandemic you know because I can't do this oh, yeah. I usually do um, but I should say very quickly I did go to one party and I, just a shout out to heavy metal had a great time it was a great party I went in sat near the window and had a uh, shout out to all of the uh, the editorial crew uh, at uh, Heavy Metal had a great time. Yeah, and I went to the I went to the Comicsology party, which you know we got to talk about Scott Tober. Yes, yes, I we mean, did an interview with Scott, Scott about that. He yes. kicked off our our con coverage. Yeah, so, yeah, and um, you know Comicsology just went all you know stop pulled out all the stops. Comicsology slash Amazon pulled yes. out all the stops for Scott Tober. A huge promotion for his first three books that are debuting. Um, so they held this party. I mean, it was not a huge amount of people, this party. Yeah. It was a very small party by Comic-Con standards. But it was, was just fantastic to to see so many people. I just reconnected with so many people. It was just wonderful. I was supposed to come, but I, I was downtown, and then I just couldn't get the idea of going back uptown. Was right. Just- well, that's the thing. Well, that is one thing yeah. because, you know, I was at this Funimation party mm-hmm. where I didn't know anybody on Thursday night and, uh, but Debra Yoki, who I was with, knew everybody. And then there was this heavy metal party, but it was all the way back downtown. Yes. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. Well, I just that's can't. one thing that changed from other years. Yes. Usually New York Comic Con overflows the convention center so much that they have to do other little things around the city. They have to go to Hudson Mercantile. They have to have a thing at a, a 
theater. They have to all over the place. None of that this year. Well, Everybody the, was on site. Well, also, the new wing is 1.2 million square feet yeah. of So we're going to be making use so of that next year. we're not yeah. going back to the Felt Forum. We're not. It's not called that anymore. It's called the theater, whatever it's called. Yeah. We're not going back. The Empire Theater. The Empire, the Empire theater. theater. Yeah, yeah, but it's had so many names. Yeah. Uh, we're not going back to, um, you know, the Hudson other. Mercantile. The Hudson Mercantile. <laughs> uh, we have room for it. Yeah. And now I will say I held a little event uh, for, you know, for my people. On Thursday morning, I had a little breakfast outside, outside the convention center. Calvin, you came by. Yeah, it was great. And, uh, yeah, it was really nice. And I, you know, it was nice, like I said, outside. Well, I also think the reaction to, uh, Javits as being, uh, in a wasteland away from everything else is is going to fade because Hudson Yards is actually coming into its own. You know, they opened a new restaurant. We talked about this on our other My Four Women in a Hotel Room podcast, but they opened a new seafood restaurant there in Jibs. It's not cheap. But uh I got a, got a reservation. It's right there. It's right yeah. by the vessel. And, you know, we had a pretty good seafood dinner there. So yeah. The vessel being that the, yeah. the now the closed. Climbable um, statue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Climbable statue. Yes, that That's great. Really resolved. Well, I mean, deadly of, climbable. The deaths of three people. Yeah. So, so um you guys. um Yes. Yeah, so we, we, yes, there we was a couple. About other we had the, but, there was, but, but there was some news at the show. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there was news. Um, oh, yes. I have yeah. some more con. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Get the cut. Well, one thing I was just going to say is that if you weren't there, maybe the pictures you've seen haven't conveyed this, but the presence on the floor was very different in that basically booths were much larger than I've ever seen them before. Yes, they spread out. They just just sprawled. They didn't even really have anything in the space. McCormick place size. It was it was just like sprawling. They had a giant gaming presence on the floor where they just had all these computers and people were gaming on them nonstop. Um, it really, you, you got the feeling that, like, things just spread out. It was very expansive. And the aisles were wider, which was what yeah. I was worried about. Um, yeah. <laughs> Repop abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, so it was, it was a very different look. It was a very different presence. Yeah. You know, listen. Props to Reed Pop. I mean, they Absolutely. lost about at least a third of their staff mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. who got laid off at all events companies. And they lost a lot of key people. And, um, they had the talk back, uh, con- panel on, you know, end of Sunday. It's a tradition at cons to have the yes. talk back. Um, you know, AKA I AKA the dead dog. Yes, the dead dog panel. And I went to that and listen, I've been to a lot of these things and people line up and they're like, um, you know, I couldn't get a wristband for this panel because, you know, they told me to go outside and then I came, you know, and it's like endless picayune. Um, and, and often also very justified, you know, like a lot of times ADA has a lot of problems, uh, dis- you know, disability yeah, sure. services, there's always yeah. problems with that. Um, so a lot of it's justified, but always like complaints, complaints, complaints. I have never seen anything like this. It was 50% people just getting in line, waiting in line, getting up and saying, thank you. I just wanted to thank you for doing this. I had a great time and I wanted you to know. Yeah, I missed cons. Yeah. I was so grateful. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, for And pe- I say that as Kate Fitzsimmons, yeah. not what the, yeah. 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 Not and, people in the and audience. For people to line, to go out of their way to praise something is unheard of. Yeah, That's not this, how people. In our community, in our, it doesn't usually work. Well, just work people that like way. to complain. You people, know, people in general. People, <laughs> humans in general. Humans in general are more motivated to complain. <laughs> so the fact that there was this overwhelming, um, 
good feeling about it is really extraordinary. And it just it just shows, you know, this is how humans should live. So I'm sorry, Kate, do you have more? Any, that was, any, that any was, other? That was it. Um, yeah. So there was some, but there was some news. Do you, there was some news, um, Crunchyroll and, uh. Yeah. So we got some news, various different business news coming out during New York Comic Con. Um, one is that, um, Crunchyroll has made a very, very special deal. Um, they are, are making a deal with Fuji Television. Um, so they're going. Go ahead. Uh, you, I don't know, man. You were making all kinds of hand signals, and I was like, "What? What am I supposed to do?" I didn't at know. Calvin, I was You're making good. them at yeah. Calvin. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Okay. Um, what's wrong? Um, give me a second to reboot my brain. Yes. So Crunchyroll made a deal with Fuji Television, so they're going to be bringing out their entire slate of manga, I mean, their entire slate of anime in the United States, day and date, with Japan. So, I mean, that's. That's like the equivalent of like Netflix Japan making a deal with ABC TV in the United States. Like it's 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 an an entire channel's entire slate of animation coming here. Um so that's that's a new one. Um and also um Netflix would like you to know that not only can you watch their version of Cowboy Bebop, you can now watch the original version of Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, and goodness knows how much they paid for that, but I'm sure it was a lot. Yeah, and I think the big comics news uh, was that uh, Saga is coming yes, back, which is one of the best-selling uh, <laughs> comics. Uh, there was a uh, panel with Brian K. Vaughn, and he announced that he and Fiona Staples are bringing it back in January. You know, she's had a baby in the hiatus. It's been away for four years. They had a lot of time to do a lot of real-life stuff. Um, but yeah, Saga's coming back, and hopefully it will be printed. So... Which we'll get to in our next segment. <laughs> and in other good news, um, Disney has announced that American Born Chinese oh, yeah. by, uh, Jean Luen Yang is going to be made into a television series for Disney Plus from the director that brought you Shang-Chi. Yeah. So, um. Good stuff. And you know, good I'll just, I, I will give one more plug to, uh, so we're, you know, in our next, uh, well, our next section was we're going to talk about like some of the set, the the top hot industry gossip of the show, and you know one of them was the supply chain, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of issues. You know, there's a lot of of choke points. Uh, you know, they just announced they're going to keep the ports open 24 seven. I don't know why they weren't open 24 seven before, but they're going to be open 24 seven now, so they can maybe get more uh more um shipping going through the ports. But you know, the paper shortage. Um, binary. That's just the West Coast. It's happening just, up and down the East yeah, Coast. It's, 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 it's everywhere. I'll just say this. You know, we've been talking a lot about digital comics on this podcast over the last, you know, three or four months. And boy, it's going to be a good time to be in digital comics. And, uh, I did moderate the panel for Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and, you know, packed, uh, very easy. Did not have to do much work for that panel. But, um, uh, you know, I had read the, the three titles that are coming out this month, and they're very good. They look good. No, they're very I, yeah. good. I, as I, you know, as I, I talk with him on Thursday, um, uh, rather, well, whenever it was, whenever it was, it moved, <laughs> the date moved around. Yeah, but but really clear. Um, what demons? Mm-hmm. 
Um, what else am I? What oh, am I uh, the other one has a really long title. I'm, I'm it's about it's a kind of cool. It's a horror book drawn by Francesco Francavia, who I love. I mean, I'm oh yes, sold. this is Night of the Ghoul. Night of the Ghoul. Anything yes. drawn by Francesco. Yes. So um, I'm there for. So uh, anyway, uh, it's good time to be digital. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, there are there's not enough paper. You can't get things shipped in from your printer. DC has had to push back a number of books on their slate. Calvin was just telling us that some unspecified, unnamed books uh, that the Fanatic was writing up, uh, they had to push back their coverage of because they oh, weren't coming out. There's a number of, of, of Q&As that I had assigned to be published in September, October, that frantic calls from publishers said, please don't run them. Wow. We don't have any books. Mm, yeah. And now they're all log jammed into November. Wow. So, yeah, mm. my problem, but there you go. Listeners, I'm going to say this again. If you are ever going to sell any of your <sighs> trades, now is the time. <laughs> because be there's somebody who will be grateful to buy that as a Christmas present for someone. So, yeah. So, I come, and I think it's fair to say, though, that the biggest topic when, when comic book folk just kind of kicked back and started gossiping yeah. was the Penguin Random House Marvel. I think you used the word Debacle, which we learn how to pronounce every six months or so. Uh, I use the word disaster, but you know, it was, it uh, <laughs> it was a, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, it, it was, was bad. bad. And it really was a topic that kept coming up. I mean, sitting in a party at heavy metal, uh, folks were talking about, uh, what's happening so, in the direct market. So let's, uh, let's let our listeners in on this if they weren't at that party. Uh, well, really what's happening is that, um, yeah, as we know, we've been talking about this for much. This is a big news, um, Random House Publisher Service, one of the, probably one of the biggest distributors in the world. Mm-hmm. Marvel is now uh, distributing, using them to distribute them into the direct market. They all, you know, <clears throat> not their trade books, which is done by who's doing them now? Who does Marvel now? Oh, Hachette. Hachette. Uh But this is a big deal. This is a big deal uh, for a trade book distributor to be working in the direct market, uh, yeah. distributing periodicals, um, and. Even though um, PRH spoke to the issue it, when they first announced this, uh, the issue of damaged product, apparently it has been a, a, the, the first. It, it just started in October. This is the everything. This has been the run up, and apparently it's been a disaster of damaged product across the board. Uh, retailers hmm. are complaining about it. Across all everywhere, so, you know, I had some details. Brian on, Hibbs had yeah, Brian Hibbs had a break on. There's been photos uh, of books, boxes that are just some retailers, all of their materials yes, damaged. And I mean, it's really so, kind of breathtaking. So the thing that's interesting is that you know, so Comics Pro, which is a retailer yeah. um, advocacy organization, they held an open house today, which is the first time they've ever held an event that was open to the press. Uh, I was happy to attend, and you know, they spent like the first maybe 15 minutes talking about this. Um, and I talked to a few people at, at the show about it in depth as well. And, you know, uh, PRH was warned. I mean, they spent yeah. time. That's what's really troubling is I that mean, they, they were did told. They did their homework. They did their homework and they developed a special box. But for some reason, I think the issue is that they developed a special small one-up box. Now, if you've ever gotten a box from Diamond Comics, you know that it's two across. Like there's two, comic books wide okay yeah but prh did one comic book wide and because the boxes were so small they were just tossed like candy like just you know popcorn and 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 with the result that there was terrible damages now the good news 
is that they have responded quickly and they are already developing like when they did re- reorders they shipped them with in double box with bubble wrap and uh they are already developing a new box but of course that takes time and mm-hmm. you know we already been talking about yeah. this cardboard shortage we're having so so i just you know, it's a little bit like baffling and uh, yeah, well, we will doubtless hear more about this. Uh, my theory is that they took everything into account except for postal carriers. Which? Which they probably should have, but they took care of everything that takes place in-house and they forgot that everything that takes place out of their hands still needs to be taken into account. Exactly. and you Because know, I think you're right. I think they were light and small and so they mm-hmm. got tossed through the air with the greatest of ease. Puppy toss. Now, they also seem to be having some of the same issues that some of the other distributors are having, like particularly um, uh, scattered delivery days. Yes. Uh, no one seems to be very happy about Thank you, this. Louis DeJoy. Well, you know, you know David Gabriel, uh, Marvel announced that they were going to skip a week or, you know, hold back a lot of books for a week uh, because supposedly because of the supply chain, but it also has given Random House a chance because guess what? If these books ship... And 50% of them are damaged. How are you going to get more comics? Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, yeah. they did a massive... There's no massive, supply chain to do it. Yeah, they, unless they did a massive overship, overprint, um, near, you know, ship out of luck, to quote a phrase. That's good. I'm writing that down. Ba-do-ba. Ma. But, um, but... Bada-bing. Yeah, this, this was bad. Now, I did hear something. It's talking to a retailer, and... You know, I will say we've been sitting here, when was this announced? April, March, whatever it was, six months, talking about what a big deal this was. And, you know, Calvin, I know you've talked about what a big uh, investment it is by Penguin Random House. And this will come as no surprise. But, uh, you know, the, the retailers also have a lot of issues with how they order the books. Like they yeah. can't see all their orders. And it's all these picky and things. But if you're used to doing it a certain way, you want to have these functionalities, right? I will say... When they get the order form for all these Marvel products, after the Marvel section is a big section for Penguin Random House products, like little well, golden books and quirk books. I'll tell you, you and, believe it. Yeah. And I mean this, you know, to everyone who asks, why is Penguin Random House doing this? There's your answer. They just got another one to two thousand retail accounts. And who wouldn't want one to two thousand more retail accounts? And even this retailer was like, Oh yeah, it's great. You know, I can order more quirk books. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Well, and the other reason is that they get paid to distribute. Yeah. Like they yeah. they they love to have market share. This suddenly gives them thousands of independent bookstores to serve. Yeah, yeah but they got to get this this shipping. I mean, you know, the there's a, this is a core. The this is a huge story. This and is the biggest story since since the shutdown last year because they were told. They were told. They were yeah. warned. They were told. They were. We told them. Everyone told them. Yeah. And and from everything that we've heard, I mean, I would be shocked if they weren't trying to fix this. They are. I've already been been told that you they know, are. Yeah. They're, they're trying to fix it, but, um, you know, you know, as they say, you, you only get one shot at a first impression. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it'll all be forgotten. But at the end of the day, yeah. um, there's still a lot of uh, uh, great possibility having PRH in the direct market. So, there's, there's still more to come on this issue. A mm, lot more to there's come. There's more... It's there will always be. All right. To come. But on a positive note about Penguin mm-hmm. and Marvel. Yeah. Um, they announced this morning something that I've been saying, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast innumerable times. 
How do you, pr- I said, how, how do you want to make money? Just license from Marvel, like this basic library of Marvel comics and do it as a series and you will make money. So it's not quite what it is, but it's kind of even better. It's Penguin Classics Marvel. Yeah. So they're the Penguin Classics, which of course we all have one in our house. Of course. I have, uh, Heart of Darkness and, and, uh, Moby Dick, like you sure. do. And, uh, you, you know, famous line of paperbacks and hardcovers. And they have announced they're going to be doing three Marvel books. I think that was April, Calvin. Is it coming out in April? <coughs> Excuse, me. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoa, he got so I don't think they're coming. Actually, I don't think they're coming out until 2022. Yeah, that April, oh, yeah, I it was April June, is, though. April thought, is yeah. 20, well, it might be June. But, yeah. but June, June is also oh, 2022, 2022, Calvin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, well, I, I meant June instead of April. That's, yeah, that's okay. Right. Now, I could be wrong about that. Well, but. anyway, they're doing, uh, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain America. Yes. Now, they didn't announce the actual contents, but by, from looking at the cover, you can see it's a lot of Lee Ditko, Lee Kirby, uh, Don McGregor, Billy Graham, Black Panther. Uh, they have amazing people writing the intros. And, yes. Oh, uh, they've got to get an incredible is, intro. Jason yeah. Reynolds um, doing the Spider-Man. And Nettie Okorafor doing the Black Panther. Gene Yang, there he is, the man again, doing uh, Captain America. I mean, and in addition to scholarly authors doing, a, you know, a more in-depth Yes. Yes. Talk about the characters in the Indian. Uh, and so talk about a license to print money. Well, absolutely. But, but also let's talk about where we are with comics in the culture. Yeah. Uh, from Heidi, all of us, where we started so many years ago to see these comics, the, you know, the, 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 the core, uh, the classics of this, you know, of, of this category that we love, uh, in Penguin Classics, and as I keep saying, can the modern library yeah, be, be far, far behind? behind? Also, you know, also another Penguin Random House, obviously, mm. publisher, but they both, for their respected publishers at the time, do the same thing. They really, uh, uh, they keep the great classics of literature in print. Oh, I'm expecting a Marvel movie to end up in the Criterion Collection any go. one of these Someday. days. Someday. Probably Black Someday. Panther, but sure. Without yeah, yeah it'll be Black Panther. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. But, uh, and, and you know, listen, it's really, uh, it'd be great when we see these books, to see what the content is. But again, like, you could look at the cover. And so for the Black Panther one, uh, it looks like they're doing Lee Kirby, so they're probably doing the debut of the character. Yeah, um, so and then also, it, it's, it was, uh, Don McGregor, Rich Buckler and Billy Graham. And, you know, this was a classic, classic run of the character. Uh, you know, this is what I grew up on. Um, and it's known to be wordy, but Billy Graham's work on it is absolutely amazing. It's a storyline called Panther's Rage. And, you know, is it a little bit dated? Yes. But is it literature? Yes, it is. And, you know, really, like, this is a book that when I read it as a kid, it just blew me away. And to see it, uh, enshrined as literature is really wonderful. It's really wonderful for Don McGregor, who's still with us. Uh, it's unfortunately Billy Graham Absolutely. is not. Um, yeah, but, this um, is great. That yeah. is what I hope for. But I will now express a little Ooh. bit of <sighs> skepticism. What I have noticed when people try to pu- package quote unquote classic comics for the mainstream audience is that Frequently they put the oldest comic on the cover and then they make an anthology and often the anthology has a bunch of unfinished storylines in it so that they can cram as much as possible in between the covers. 
Um, so they can be like, it's got this and this and this and this. And it's just got like little snapshots of unfinished stories leading you going, but where's the rest? So that's what I hope will not happen. What I hope will happen is what you're saying, Heidi, in that they give you a whole good storyline. Well, I, we don't know what is it kind of also, what's the format, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a pe- 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 penguin, yeah, uh, like classics the, is a small paperback. Yeah, I'd like and to know what that's the, not ideal. I can't imagine that that's going to be well, the, they can't, the trade they size. They can't of these print books. They don't um, really Panther's say, Rage at that size because the they lettering can't beat the classic size. They're going to have to be bigger. They're going to have to be at least trade book size. Yeah. Um, uh, to, just to be, and I'm curious about the paper as well. So, um, well, there's more to come on this. Uh, I'm a little worried that I see Comic Sans on the front, on some of the what? reproduction too. No. So let's hope not, oh, but boy, you know, there's you still time to change it, designers. Yeah, Comic yeah. Sans. Comic no, Sans. Comic Sans. And, and, and listen, listen, listen publishers, you may think that it's comics a- people don't care about font, and I assure you, you are wrong. You should have seen the fan blowback when people saw the cover for <laughs> um, for Heaven Official's Blessing that for some reason used the Aladdin uh, 101 Arabian a Nights font. new font. Yeah. On, on the cover of a book set in ancient China. Uh, fans were not amused. They were like, literally, Times New Roman would be better. What are you smoking? Um, and then the cover for uh, Scum Villain came out and it had Comic Sans on the cover, and people, there, there were implosions. And technically, it's not Comic Sans, and everyone was like, "Yeah, but it looks like Comic Sans." Yeah, for so, the record, so please, no please, Comic Sans. Please, no Comic Sans, guys. It's no Comic Sans. No, don't do don't it. Don't want Comic Sans, and please, hopefully, there's no pow kapow. Oh, know, please, the please, no pow kapow anymore. <laughs> Let's hope not. No. Uh, well, anyway, that's all. They're not just for kids. Oh, yes, yes. for Pete's sake! Oh dear. Well, right. speaking of kapow kapow. Comics aren't just for nerds. Uh, not just for nerds. Uh, some big news in um, uh, the John Kent. Yes. Kate. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah. So DC has followed up their announcement that um, Tim Drake, one of the Robins, aka Red Robin, um, was interested in boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a sexuality otherwise undisclosed at this point. Um, with the announcement that, of course, it was heralded in, in headlines across the world as Superman is gay or Superman is bi. But when they say Superman, they did not mean Clark Kent. They meant the future Superman. Mm-hmm. His adopted son, John Kent. So John Kent, to be clear, is the one who is bi. And there is a beautiful image of him kissing a young man with purple hair. Yeah. And... um we will see where the storyline will go. But it doesn't actually come out till next month. It doesn't right? come out till right. next month. Right. They're so just, they're just, instead Prime of it being a surprise on the pages of the comic, they are letting you know ahead of time that, uh, you should buy this one because there's boys kissing. Yes. And, and, uh, and just, uh, just a remark about John Kent. I mean, I, I mean, I read the first issue because I just, you know, I read a lot of number ones and, you know, but, um, you know, this character has, you know, been with us for so long. And in any new iteration I find interesting, and I want to know a little bit about it. And and I, I noticed reading that number one issue, John Kent says, you know, his mission in a wonderful rejiggering of the classic Superman line, truth, justice, 
and a better world. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we know what the change was. Yeah. And you know what? I like that guy. I, I like it too. <laughs> I now, like that. Super you know, guy. I'd like to point the out. Super guy. I'd like to point out that Jonathan Kent was actually created in 2015 as part of Convergence. Hmm. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. so that wasn't that long ago. He's only been around for seven years now, and for most of it, he's been a small child. Yes. Yeah. And now there's been a huge outcry about you know the decadence of comics and how this is the end of comics and comics are dying and of course you know just homophobia, blatant homophobia. often by people who do not read comics. Yes. 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 And you know right wing media has totally picked up on this. And you know one of the slippery slopes that they. Uh, you know, moving goalposts that they always are is like, you know, like if a, if an existing character is suddenly, you know, uh, given a new race, which is often works just fine, or given a new sexual orientation, or given a new gender, they're like, well, why don't you just make a new character? Now, I will say John Kent is not a brand new character, but he was certainly an underutilized character. And yeah. anyone who's like, you know, moaning and groaning, that they've made some beloved comic book character. Well, frequently they just say they've made Superman gay, and that's one of those like, well, yes, um, technically. Hey, you know, it's a t- attention. Yeah, well, that's Mark Calvick's marketing, and it goes. Well, but I don't, mean, know, you, I don't mean you, just, you mis- I don't mean just misdirect. Well, I, I yeah. yes, I mean there's the comics marketing thing, but I mean the outrage mongers are like, oh, the, gay yeah. Superman, yeah. and well, it's like, yeah, yeah technically, yeah. Well, well, he's the yeah. current Superman, and guess yeah. what? They do it all the time. They've done it since the 30s and 40s, where the superheroes change their identity, and then somebody else dons the cape or dons the underpants. And, or, you know, like Ma yeah. Hunkle. I'll just say, bring back Ma Hunkle. That's my dream. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, hey, I, you know, props to DC. Props yeah, to DC. Props that's to all DC. I have to say. And they've had, listen, DC has had a lot of lesbian characters over the years. Like, that's a pretty, you know, Batwoman and before they were named Montoya. And, and there have been a number of gay male characters, but they have been much lower profile. Yes. Yes. So, you know, to have a member of Superman's own family, someone who is, you know, in the comics at the moment being shown to later inherit the cape as, as, you know, actively LGBT is great. And yeah, there's that. So tune in. Yeah, that's right. More to come. More to come. (laughs) All right. Where are we at? Uh, Kate, you yes. had a story about plagiarism, a rather surprising story about plagiarism. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, oftentimes, um, it is often treated as though fans are the legal danger to uh, publishers, and it is <clears throat> fans who are the ones who are naughty, naughty <laughs> uh, pirates and plagiarizers. But sometimes, sometimes... The call is coming from inside the house. Mm. <laughs> so, um, Webtoon has announced that they will not be publishing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yes, not that Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, listeners. Yes, apparently the title was the first thing they took. <laughs> um, different comic Man. from the play. Yeah, all, but a manual also named Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, and, uh, it became, you know, a popular manhwa, but comics fans started freaking out when they started noticing curious similarities between certain pages and another comic 
another comic you may have heard of. Naoki Urasawa's Monster. <laughs> oh, what an obscure comic. No one will ever have heard of that or recognize any similarities. Well, uh, whichever genius thought that would be the comic to rip off soon learned they were wrong. And um, so, you know, fans were doing uh, side-by-side comparisons. Fans were also pointing out similarities with Evangelion. Another obscure manga no one's ever heard of. That's Hutzpah. It's Hutzpah. <laughs> yeah. And um so it has it has now been canceled. Um so let that be a lesson to you all. No. No comic fans will not mysteriously miss your visual plagiarism. You will get caught as quickly as the romance novel writer who decided to to steal passages about the black-footed ferret. Don't plagiarize people. It never ends well. Yo, man, we pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, uh it's been uh quite a week. It has. Uh you know, uh we've been to a con Imagine that. a giant con, a, a giant four-day mega-marathon yeah. mega uh, con. And live to tell about it. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know what, you guys, what, what's your next con plan? You know, that's a good question. There's not too much of the year left, so I'm not sure there is much con left. Well, I think we're really looking to see what happens in 2022. Anime NYC is coming to us at the very end of November. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So I'm going to be trying for a press pass, and listeners, if okay. if I, I get one... Then I will report back. I may look into that myself. And there is the special edition San Diego, which mm, yes. I, uh, the mysterious event. Mysterious event that that, that was, you know, after Penguin Random House, that was probably the second biggest topic mm. that I heard at New York Comic Con was what's going on with that. Um, I'm contemplating attending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No decisions yet. You know, mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving timing is just really problematic for for yeah. me and for everybody. Um, Especially for the first Thanksgiving bag. Yeah, and I mean, I will say there is a pretty brisk um, lineup, like uh, Anime NYC, as Kate says, uh, Special Edition San Diego, followed in successive weeks by Emerald City and Seattle and C2E2 in Chicago. So, you know, Reed is is ramping up again. Mm -hmm. Uh, These cons have been planned for over a year. Um, And, uh, you know, I think they felt pretty emboldened and and, and excited by... um, by what happened at New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. so all right, so you know, uh, so there, yeah, but you know, 2022, here we come, and and one more thing, listeners, which we would love to hear back about. Uh, I am going to be in England, my first oh, trip what? out of the country in two years, Whoa. at the at the beginning of December. So, if any of you have anything to recommend to a comics lover who is going to be there for a week, uh, give me a heads up. You know, send us cool. a tweet. What what do you want us to report back on from there? Awesome. Right. Excellent. Well, I guess there's going to be more to come. <laughs>